Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Today on the Online Enquirer podcast, Michael Tulip joins me to break down his thoughts about Illinois' 70-59 loss at Rutgers that drops them into second place, a half game behind Purdue. And according to the metrics at T-Rank, Illinois, their chances of winning a share of the Big Ten title dropped about 30% last night. Of course... A lot can happen over the last five, six games for all these teams, and a lot still can happen for Illinois, whether positively or negatively. But we talked with Mike about what went wrong in that game, different things that happened, the shooting slump this team and specific players are going through. And I talked to Mike about what it's like as a player who's a really good shooter to go through a shooting slump, how you work your way out of it, and how he worked his way out of it uh, with the help of an Illini icon. It was a really good story uh, from Mike on that that you'll want to hear. Also talked to him about, is it time to mess with the lineup? Is that too much of a sign of panic? Does that disrupt things in a positive way, negative way, and if they do make a lineup change, uh, what Brad Underwood should consider there. So great stuff coming up with Mike Latulip. But before we talk ball, I got to tell you about this gear that Homefield Apparel is unveiling this Saturday. They just sent me a package to the house. Piper's going to get a few shirts. Um, Wagner's going to get a few shirts. But they are fantastic. The design, I like simple. I like vintage. If that's your style, you're going to love some of the new Illini gear at Homefield Apparel. And if you've never heard of Homefield Apparel, they're the premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. And their shirts are incredibly comfortable. They're officially licensed apparel. So all the, they're not these ripoff logos, things like that. No, they're the Illini logos that you like with vintage college designs, guys. Like some of the, most popular teams in Illinois history, those are well represented in this collection. And they're kicking off their Illini gear on the big new Saturday. That's this Saturday. They're unveiling it February 19th. So go to homefieldapparel.com and check this all out. And all of you Illini Inquirer listeners can get a great discount. New customers get 15% off their first purchase with Homefield with code Illini Inquirer at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. 15% off the great new soft well-designed vintage clothing at homefieldapparel.com just use promo code Illini Inquirer at checkout at homefieldapparel.com coming up next Michael Tulip Illini Inquirer basketball analyst breaks down his thoughts on Illinois basketball all right welcome back into the Illini Inquirer podcast it's that time of week let's catch up with our guy Michael Tulip Illini Inquirer basketball analyst and Mike uh, not much to take away it feels like in the positives when it comes to a 70-59 loss at Rutgers and that score is is closer than the game actually was Rutgers almost got to a 30-point lead at one point there early in the second half uh, Kofi Coburn with 20 and 10, RJ Melendez with another 10 points, a lot of late points again for RJ, but continues to show flashes, but the shooting is off. Uh, Illinois out-rebounded in this one, 46 to 28. 
that's been a concerning issue here. I don't know if there's much to break down from this game, though, Mike. Just You got outplayed by one of the hottest teams, one of the toughest teams in the Big Ten. So I'll just leave the floor open for you. Like, What are your thoughts as, as that game just gets away from Illinois really quickly? Well, you mentioned it, right? It's a, it's a good team. It's arguably the toughest, if not one of the toughest places to play in the Big Ten. And I understand all that. Um, you know, Illinois knows that going into it. You know, everyone knows that going into it. But I think there's a, just a certain effort that you have to play with, um, a certain resolve. Uh, and they didn't have it. They didn't have it. And when you mix that with the missed shots, and not only just the missed shots, the hesitation on some shots um, that lead to poorer shots, uh, you know, it can spiral out of control. The, the weird part about the first half was it was not going well at all. But you look and you're like, you're down seven. You know, you're right there. Um, but letting them start seven for nine from the field at home, big crowd, it's hard. I, it's just it's hard to make a comeback in those types of scenarios. And the other thing, too, is there, there were a lot of opportunities. I thought, you know, it's 24-15, make a great defensive play, come down, Plummer misses a, a wide-open three that makes it 24-18. He hit the same type of three in Bloomington, um, you know, to cut it to four. And you think, you know, you make that shot and maybe they tighten up a little bit. They just, you know, until they were down seven or up 17 and had to deal with this press, Rutgers didn't look tight the entire game. Um, and part of that is just the, the start to the game where you, you let them get a couple easy baskets and get going. But uh, we can dive into the shots and, and the effort and everything. But, you know, there's a certain type of effort that's required on the road. Um, there's a certain type of toughness that's required on the road. And there's a certain type of, you know, toughness and effort that's required to, to win a Big Ten championship here in the regular season. And uh, fortunate because you're still in a position to do that. Um, you didn't make it any easier on yourself uh, up there in Piscataway. But, you know, a lot that you can certainly learn from and take from this game. But, um, man, Underwood mentioned it last night. He, you know, he can't make shots for them. And there's a certain toughness element we talk about toughness with rebounding and 50 50 balls oh there's a toughness to shooting there is um in stepping in and being confident and not passing up shots and um i'll make this point quickly about the records the records defense especially in the front was outstanding was outstanding i mean it was they they locked them up in the first half and i think what you make the mistake of and you know when you get out in transition part of it is you need to get stops to get out in transition but even secondary transition, if you have an early look, clean look, if you're Trent Frazier, if you're Jacob Grandison, if you're Demonte Williams, get it up. And it doesn't need to be rushed. It doesn't need to be, you know, maybe if it's after a post-touch, great. But this isn't the type of team where you keep searching for a better shot. Um, odds are they're going to keep leading you to the end of the shot clock and you're going to throw up an even worse one. So we'll break that down in the film. But, yeah, it, it's a toughness thing. and It's a rebounding thing. And, um you know, the rebounding numbers, 18, you know, if you miss a lot of threes, that can happen. Um, but there were just some effort plays and focus plays that, you know, this this team and, and the coaching staff for sure will will get rectified with these guys. Mike, we know there can be ebbs and flows of a season. Last year was that way. This year certainly has been that way. I mean, December through early January, they played great. Then they go on that run where they beat Michigan State, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Indiana, where I think everyone felt pretty confident. Uh, last three games, though, certainly have been one of those, you know, ebbs, right? Like where you just, it's not going 
very, very well. Purdue second half, Northwestern second half, Rutgers basically the entire game. Um, and part of that's shooting, right? I mean, Grandison the last three, two for 13 from three. Trent Frazier, four for 15 from three. DeMonte Williams, three for 14 from three. But is there anything else that, that you're concerned about rather than just making open shots? Like, is there something bigger um, that – is, is a bigger picture concern for this team than maybe just a shooting slump? Yeah, I think sometimes you can see it. Um, and it typically comes in the form of guys passing up looks where they may not be as confident where, you know, three, four, five weeks ago, it felt like a lot of those guys, the second they had a sliver of daylight, it was going up and they were shooting it confidently. And uh, that's the biggest difference that I see just from a perimeter shooting standpoint. But also, you know, I think these defenses are, are, are finding a way to, to try to find a balance with Kofi and these outside shooters. You can even tell with the Rutgers defenders, like they're still, they're still very aware of guys like Alfonso Plummer and Jacob Granison, even despite the slumps, you know, they're, they're very aware and they, they, they kind of stay hugged them. It's part of the reason why Kofi can go out there and score 20 and 10. Um, but I think the rebounding is, is the biggest issue for as good of a rebounding team as this team has been, as they are, um, just the effort stuff on the glass, a lot of watching. Uh, that that's kind of what the most that's the most concerning thing to me. Um, but you know, I think as you move forward, you can't you can't let this season. I know there's been a lot of guys in and out of the lineup, illnesses, injuries. You, know, you can't let you can't stumble into March. Is basically what I'm saying. Um, you, know, you need to find a way to hit your apex, and if that's not making shots, because not every team's going to do that then there can't just be this massive contrast between this is what they look like when they make shots. And this is what they look like when they miss shots specifically on the defensive end and on the glass. Yeah. You know, that stuff, that's why Underwood always says, right. You know, defense and rebounding travel, you know, that's, that's what, that's what comes on the road with you. You may not always make shots. So when you can't check all three of those boxes, it's almost impossible to win on the road. Um, and, and I think the other thing that I'll mention too, when you look at, kind of the irony of them going into East Lansing was the game in East Lansing last year on February 23rd that handed them their fourth conference loss, like last night, was very similar to that game in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, it was it, it got a little sloppy. I know Io gets hit in the face, but um, there was a toughness element to it, uh, you know, stepping up and, and knocking down shots and some costly turnovers. But um, they turned it around after that Michigan State game. Uh, you know, I know, I know their next game was against Nebraska after that, but you know, they, they still went on after that to play Michigan and play Ohio state. That's, you know, two games later was, you know, or three games later is when they beat Michigan on their home floor by 23. So this team has done this, uh, and, and without Iowa, I'll mention. Um, so it's not like this is just, Hey, but they had Iowa last year and that game in Michigan, they didn't. So digging deep and just finding it, like you just, and you can sit here and try to dissect things and, analyze and overanalyze this it's it, when it comes down to it, it's pretty simple um and the more these guys can simplify those things for themselves i think the better yeah out rebounded in seven of the last nine games like you did not expect that out of this team when kofi right his last six games has 48 defensive rebounds like he's he's doing his job on the glass he needs some help uh right now and, and a lot of that i mean Remember how many rebounds Andres Felice used to get at six foot two? Like that, those are the boards they need right now, and they're they're just not getting. Plus, they need to force some some more misses and, and miss fewer of their own. Um, 
let me ask you as a shooter, like you, I think you've talked about this before. What is a shooting slump like? Like how hard is it to get out of? How much are you thinking about it? I, I, as much as any player would want to tell you that they don't think about it, they do. And it just becomes kind of this elephant in the room for your own game. And uh, I, I've made the, the comment on this podcast before when I went to Wright State, I start off the season, pretty, honestly, pretty similar to Jacob Grandison. Uh, I think I was 20 games into the year, 21 games. I was 53%, 52-53%. And then this 5-for-27 stretch happened for me. And it's like you don't notice it those first couple games. Like, ah. And then I had like a 1-for-9 game in there. And every single look, it was against Detroit, every single look was just like wide open. Yeah. Like it wasn't like I was forcing shots. It was just – and yeah, you could tell. And when I went back and watched the game after it happened, I was like, "Dang, I was kind of wearing that." Like, you know, I, like my my sixth, seventh, eighth miss. It was like you could tell, like it was bothering me for someone that didn't react as much after when, missed shots. When you're shooting, I guess I imagine you're in a slump. It's kind of in your head a little bit, right? Because I saw the other day we were texting about Xavier Johnson. Like, he doesn't have a pretty shot to begin with, but that guy had no confidence. You can just tell. Like, his his form was off. He was, like, releasing it later. Like, are you thinking that? Like, do you see that when you watch the film? Like, is anything different about how you're shooting it? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I noticed it. I noticed it. And, and Jacob Grandison, would, that's what's kind of weird about his is it, it kind of looks like the same shot. I agree. That's, that's why I'm time. not as worried about him as some of these other – like. Luke Goody airballs one. DeMonte barely hits rim, right? Like Xavier Johnson was just clanking it everywhere. Trent Frazier's airballing a shot like each game. Like that's that's where it's concerning. Grandison just looks the same, looks like it's going in, and it just doesn't. Yeah, and I think that's why Plummer, you see him have these flashes where it's like, oh, he has a two-game slump and then hits six threes. Or, oh, he has two. And part of that's volume, for sure. Um, I, I've made the point, and I, I apologize if I've made this point before, on on this podcast but i always tie it back to to kendrick nunn i probably made it on the the film review i you've probably heard me say this multiple times i watched kendrick nunn when he played at oakland and it dawned on me i said wow he takes 14 15 threes in a game and he can start one for seven in that game in the first half and finish you know seven six seven for 14 and those 14 threes that he shoots in that game he can shoot himself in and out of a slump in the same game. So there's no carryover most times. Whereas a guy like Jacob Grandison, if you're taking three, if you're taking two, and you go over two, and then you go one for four, you're talking about stringing this over four games. That's a lot of time for that to marinate in between. So that's when I talk about the, the toughness element to it. And I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, yeah, the second I had a bad shooting game, I figured it out the next game. I didn't. I, mean, I was sitting there like, oh, my God. And then you almost have to go back and see – Every shooter goes through this. 2016, 2017, Clay starts a season three for Clay Thompson, three for 28. <laughs> Steph Curry, I mean, this was back in, I, I think it was 2016. He had a stretch in February that was like three for 31. Mm -hmm. And he's probably had something close to that this year. But the good, the, the great shooters just, you know, they don't start passing them up because I think you want to say, okay, maybe we get somebody else involved. But you're telling yourself that you're not confident. And, and I think as much as you want to deny it or go away and like, that's the, the mind control thing, I guess that, mm -hmm. that Jacob mentioned. Um, and I think there is, it's a real thing. It is like you, at first you're kind of in denial that you're in a slump, but I think everybody gets to a point when they're in a slump where they're like, Oh, whatever, I'm in a slump. Like, let's yeah. just start shooting. Let's just start shooting them again. But you, but that's the, that's the difference, right? 
you still have to, to get back to your foundation, get back to your basics. You can't just start shooting it to shoot it. Like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep shooting them. Like, don't just take shots to take shots, take shots with purpose, take shots to make those shots. And um, man, the shooting slump's happening right now, but wouldn't it be great last five games going into March in the Big Ten tournament, this team starts to hit it again. That'd be perfect timing. I think that's what we got to remember is this is a very small sample size of the season. Like I will say, you know, I, I had the stat here, Mike, first 13 games shot 40% from three. Last 12 games, they're shooting 32% from three. I know conference play, those numbers come down, right? Usually conference play threes, I looked this up, they're usually about down a percent, percent and a half from non, from the overall season. So probably a couple percentage points from non-conference. Makes sense. Better defenses, better athletes, longer athletes. But I mean that that's a bit pretty big thing there. So is I was gonna ask Brad Underwood. I texted you, should I ask him about shooting? Because I, I don't know like if there's much you change about this. Like how much does a coach have to toe the line of all right, we need to find better shots, find a way to do better offense, or just hey, our guys are gonna shoot out of this. Like that that's gotta be that's that's where I'm wondering like, as a coach, do you try and do anything or just say, hey, keep shooting guys? Yeah, I think every coach does it differently. Um, I remember specifically, I went to, you know, my, my first summer at Wright State, I, you know, for the four years I was at Illinois, the three that I played, you know, there weren't a ton of like pressure situations and shooting. So like when I was there in the summer, um, I couldn't make a shot. Like my first summer at Wright State, it was like almost like, I think I'm gonna be a starter and I'm gonna be counted on. And I, it crippled me a little bit and I couldn't make a shot in the summer. And you know, coach Nagy handles things a little bit differently than maybe some other coaches. I mean, he pretty bluntly just walked up to me and was like, you need to make shots. You know, like, and I was just, that's why like, you're here, kid. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right. Yeah. And then it just, it kind of clicks. And part of that too, I got to thank, I got to give a shout out to D Brown. He and I just, you know, we, we just kind of broke it down there in August when I went home, he and I just two a days for weeks before I went back to Wright state and in that those fall practices, I've shot 58% from three wow. and you just have to find a way to get back, but not, but not, that was my problem as a player. And it's part of the reason why I probably didn't succeed as much as I wanted to at Illinois is I made the, I made it all too big. Yeah. Right. You can't make it too big or you can't make it this big, like I'm a shooter and I got them. Like, that's when you'll start continuing to miss. You just got to say, Hey, this is what I work on every day. This is why I'm in here at 5:30 a.m. This is what I do, and just go and shoot it. And like, and it sounds crazy. It sounds simple, but the more you start to overanalyze shooting, the the further you're going to spiral into it. And you made the point about 40% to start the season, 32% since, 36% overall right now. I mean, yeah. it's it's usually something in the middle. Now, I do think that they are a better shooting team than 36% because they should have more quality looks with a guy like Kofi on the floor. But I think their biggest problem right now, when you're not getting a ton out of Andre Curbelo, then you're really struggling to find somebody who can get into the teeth of the defense and, and, and get things going for these guys um, uh, around the arc. So a lot of contested threes last night, obviously, but, but some open ones. And um, I think the, the biggest telltale sign for me, Jacob Granison hits a three to make it 33-27 to start the half. Next possession down, he passes up on a catch and shoot and then takes one dribble to his left, which we've seen him do. We've seen him do it a million times, like shot fake, little like low dribble and shoot it. Two guys 
went with Alfonso Plummer, or at least went towards Alfonso Plummer. He didn't shoot the one dribble. And then they start to recover to him. And then he throws it to a Plummer. And then Plummer shoots a 19-foot fadeaway. So it's just, I don't know, good to grade. And I know, like, once, if, once you mention shooting, I go off on these tangents. Yeah. But, you know, I, I do think it all comes back to just simplifying it. Jeff Capel mentioned, like, Pitt couldn't shoot any free throws. Like, they were a terrible free throw shooting team at the beginning of the year. And all of a sudden, they were shooting, like, 80%. Uh, as a team, and they were asking him in the media, like, what would you do? And he's like, I just stopped talking about it. Yeah. I just stopped talking about it. He's like, they they shoot free throws every day after practice and whatever. Like, if you, the more you you address it, yeah. it's just, it becomes bigger. But every coach does it differently, and, and every player processes it differently. So I, I, it can vary from person to person. I did want to interrupt you, but I got to follow up on two things. One about Andre Corbello. Two, what did D Brown do? Like, what did he tell you to get out of the shooting slump or what would you guys work on? So the thing with D and this is why, you know, the, even like the guys that are at UIC right now, I'm like, man, I hope they really realize what they have with him as a coach, because the one thing D would do, and it was just, you know, and I, I came to him like broken almost really. Like I was like, this is my one year. I, you know, I, I didn't play as much as I wanted to at Illinois. This is my one year, and I want to make it right, and it, I got to be making shots, um, right? And I went to him, and he's like, we're going we're gonna to figure this out. We're going to do this. And every day, it, you know, part of it, yes, it's the work, but he was just, you're a pro, man. You're a pro. No one shoots like you. No one shoots. And it's just you start to kind of embody that, and we're doing drills. We do this Kobe drill where it's like, you know, you shoot, follow me here. It's you know, six catch and shoot shots from the corner, from the wing, from the slot, which is kind of right down the lane line, from the top of the key, from the slot, from the wing, from the corner. But every single shot, you are running back to half court. Mm. And you have to make six. So I think it ends up coming out to 36-ish made shots, and it's timed, and it's the Kobe drill. And I remember I finished it in whatever, like four minutes and 40 seconds. And he's like... I've never seen anything like that. Like, you know, he just, mm -hmm. he just, you're a pro man. And that's every, every day. And then we, I knew he wasn't BSing me because I saw it in the work. Yeah. And then when I went back to, to Wright state, it was just, yeah, you kind of, I kind of found who I was again. And um, he just kind of opened it up for me where he breaks it all down where he's like, Hey, if you're a shooter, these are the places where you can find your shots. Okay. Like, don't think that you have, you know, to do all this crazy stuff, like find, you know, find two or three and transition a game. Right find off your off your off ball movement in the half court, you're going to find a couple there, right? And then when you get to the free throw line, that's two points. End of discussion. Like it's awesome. You can shoot it, man. Like he was he was incredible with that. And I owe him a lot. I really do owe him a lot for the season that I had at Wright State because I I did. I came to him as pretty much a, a broken man. It's awesome, man. The impact of a of a mentor like that. It's He's amazing. It's awesome. Uh I, all right, I want to ask you about Andre Cabello too clearly the guy who can break down a defense so easily, Mike, like, and, and it's something that they missed to go get an easy one. Didn't shoot well yesterday. Of course, one for six, only two points in nine, 19 minutes, got some really sloppy turnovers in the second half, but I did think he created some easy offense uh, for himself. Didn't finish, but got Kofi an easy dunk, got a uh, pain, an easy dunk. How much, if you're Brad Underwood, you just kind of got to live with it right now because it, it, you need him like we, we've been talking about this for a while like I think you need him to, to take the step you need to take so what is the balance with that when you're chasing a Big Ten championship but you also want to be your best version of yourself 
Um, I can you keep him under 20 minutes and you know, because it feels like if he's playing 25, 30 minutes, maybe he can play through some of these mistakes, get the confidence he needs for the long run. But man, that's that's hard because sometimes he can really hurt you when he's turning it over like he does. Rhythm is so important for a player. Um, you know, and and a guy like him, it's just it's amazing. You're just you're waiting for him to string two games together. You know, and I, th- I think the frustrating thing, um, and I'm sure it's the frustrating thing for him, forget all of us, um, you know, it's more about the player anyways, and he's done it. Like, he's done it. And he's a big reason you won a Big Ten tournament championship last, last year. He's a, he's a, he was a huge reason why you were one seed. Um, obviously, Io and Kofi were outstanding. Trent, DeMonte, like everybody played their part. But what he offered off the bench is the reason why everyone was clamoring, clamoring for him to start most of the year because of the bad starts they got off to. And then he came in and he was the change up. And he, I, I don't know what it is this year. Um, you know, we talk about the Marquette game, and I know he was battling injuries, and there's an element of trying to do too much. And I think there's an element too where, man, at this point, you're right. I mean, I do think there's an, you kind of have to ride with him in, in certain moments and, and let him just kind of play through it. He got yeah. yanked last night after a couple of his turnovers. And, um, and I get it. It's a, it is a really tough position for Andre Curbelo to be in. And it's a really tough position for this coaching staff to be in. Like I, you know, I, I you know, Brad Underwood is in a tough spot. You got a third, you know, preseason third team, all American guy that had a ton of, um, expectations coming into this year and there's certain moments where you know that the team looks better or is functioning better when he's not in but then when he's in sometimes it looks about as easy it can get as it can get for the Illinois offense outside of just throwing it deep into Kofi so he came in he was he was settled he did against Northwestern his first two plays dribble commit kick to the corner three comes in first offensive play come off the ball screen, probe a little bit, lob the pain. And then I don't know what it is. My dad made the comment last night and I've made the comment before about Kofi where it's like, just, you can't get bored with it. You can't get bored with it. Just, you know, I know it's not going to be as flashy sometimes when you're coming off ball screens and maybe you come off a ball screen and all you're doing is just throwing back to the other guard. But what that creates, right? It creates a long closeout, you know, tack the feet. Another guy commits. Now you're spraying it around. You know, he's one of my favorite players to watch. Like last year, he really was, and then this year, I still get, I still get excited when he comes into the game. And for his sake, man, I just, I really, really hope that he can figure this out and make it work within the minutes he has. And I'm the, I'll be the first one to tell you, it's not easy the situation that he's in. And I, like I said, for him or the coaching staff, because Trent, Trent has made major strides being very solid with the ball. Um, so we'll see. I mean, you know, you have five more conference games for the Big Ten tournament. And if he figures some things out, like he kind of did against Purdue, and you want to see the Purdue, you know, you can't expect 20 points every single game for Andre Cabello, but the Purdue patience that he had and, and the scoring ability, but also mixing that in with, hey, let me just try to find, get other guys involved if he can tile that together, it is you're going to continue to hit your apex as a, as an offense. Yeah, I think the frustrating thing is like 
you know, it's only been what five or six games, but we've been saying that for, for the entire season now. And uh, that's been the frustrating part for him, for Brad, for, for everybody. But like, that's, I get it. He's frustrating, man. Like he's really frustrating to watch right now, but at some point do you almost got to sacrifice a game here in a big 10 race. That's hard to do. That's really hard to do. But when there's bigger things ahead, uh, I think it's just gotta be really difficult, but I do think Mike, I think it's fair that we've hit the point um, where does Brad Underwood have to consider some kind of lineup change, right? It's, it's three games, you know, but we've, we've seen some issues shooting wise. Um, we've seen RJ Melendez kind of take off. We've seen a little bit of positives from Coleman Hawkins, um, but obviously DeMonte and Jacob Grandison are, are struggling right now. What, what what do you think goes into a, a potential lineup change? And do you think now w- would be the time? I, I don't know what that lineup change should be. Maybe it's as easy as Melendez over DeMonte Williams, like everybody wants, but like, what do you think all goes into that? I mean, it's hard. It's hard for a staff because there's older guys, experienced guys. I'll, I'll take it back to my, sophomore year and John Eakey and Joe Bertrand, two senior starters. Okay. And, and it two also two different scenarios here. I mean, we, we had lost like six or seven straight or whatever it was at the time, but you know, you go back or actually I, I, I had it right here. We had lost eight straight um, in January going into February. And then we make the change. We put in Kendrick Nunn and Malcolm Hill into the starting lineup and credit Joe Bertrand and John Eakey. They were fantastic with it. You know, two seniors that, you know, careers were kind of getting close to the end um, in terms of college basketball. And they were great about it. And I, I whether it's Jacob Grandison, DeMonte Williams, whoever, if they do do some lineup changes, you at least know you have mature guys that will get it. Um, I do think if you're going to make a change, it's going to be one of two guys off the bench and it's going to be one of two guys coming out of the starting lineup. I think you're either going to start RJ Melendez or Coleman Hawkins. Uh, I would lean more RJ Melendez uh, because I still think what Coleman Hawkins can offer you off the bench in terms of just kind of a spark plug, passion, fire, running around, tipping balls around, getting balls in the glass. Um, And then, you know, it's Grandison or Williams. And I would probably lean more Grandison coming out of the starting lineup because you at least give him a different look. Uh, you bring him in with that second unit. Uh, he's, he's a, he's a shooter off the bench provides energy. Like I think there's a way to make that work. And then the third element to it is if you do insert a guy like RJ Melendez into the starting lineup, a kid that already has a ton of confidence right now, it may be even more of a confidence boost kind of feeling like you're starting the game. You're, you're immediately in the flow. I mean, all that is, is extremely important. And, um, do you make that change in East Lansing? <laughs> that was my, that was my, I, I don't know, like, but, but when, when's the good, like, when's the next yeah. good time, right? You know, I think if you're going to do it, you got to do it. You see if it works. And then these guys are mature enough to be able to kind of go back and be like, all right, well, let's say if it didn't work out, but that's part of this thing right now with this team is you have a lot of talent, you know, and you have a lot of depth and injuries and illnesses have played a part in this, but man, we're getting, we're in mid February and we're still thinking about lineup and, uh, but it's not uncommon. You know, right. teams make these switches. Jacob Grandison came into the starting lineup last year and they, I'm, I'm not saying he was the, he was the only reason that they went on that 15 and one stretch, uh, but it gave them a different look. Uh, and I think you can, you can do a similar thing here. 
it just do you think it's you know, time it, mike do you think it's time for to, for a lineup change do you think it needs to happen i i, I do um I, I do uh but if they didn't i would also understand that um to older guys that you know at times you're like okay do we do these wholesale changes or do we rely on our older more experienced guys to just say hey we got you know we got to play with a little bit more toughness and we got to knock down shots and, and compete on the glass and you know maybe they opt for more of that route but it's going to be fascinating to see on Saturday who they roll out there because uh, there's a lot of different possibilities. What's it like on a team when you have a lineup change? I know you mentioned the Iki stuff, but like, is is that like a huge wake up call? Or I, I don't want to say it can go in the opposite direction, maybe a panic, right? Like, hey, this isn't going well. All of a sudden, hey, we aren't as good as we thought. Yeah, I think it all depends. Um, coaching staffs are usually really good with this, where when they do make the change, it's usually not one that shocks the team because they're there every day in practice. Like for us with Kendrick and Malcolm towards the end of that year, we were like, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah they, I mean, you know, and then when it happened, I think even to, for, you know, to a degree, John and Joe both kind of like, yeah, you know, these weren't two slouches. Right. Um, and John and Joe were good players too. So it was just, Hey, you know, Iki and, and Bertrand were both guys that were just willing to do whatever for the team. They just wanted to win. And, and we went into Penn state and, and, Kendrick's the one that hits the corner three uh, when it's like 56, 55 to seal the game with 30 seconds left. So, you know, and who knows, could be a similar situation in East Lansing where, you know, I look at that closing group towards the end of that game, you know, where you had Frazier, um, you had Melendez, you had Coleman Hawkins, you had DeMonte and you had Kofi, um, you know, cause you needed defense. So that's why Plummer wasn't in the game. A lot of ways you can go with it. So I guess we'll uh, we'll find out at 11 a.m. or or maybe 10:40 a.m. on uh, on Saturday. And I gotta say, it's it's kudos to R.J. Melendez for for making this a discussion, right? Like if he's not playing the way it is, we, we could sit there and go, you know, Coleman gives you some some length against a team like Michigan State. Maybe it just gives you more rebounding to start. Maybe some better defense uh, potentially uh, if Granison sits. But um, it's kudos to Melendez, man. I, I know it was late. And I know it was a little bit garbage time there. But, man, he's taking advantage of this, and he's got a boatload of confidence. He does. And I, I think what he has to understand, too, as a freshman is 14 points against Northwestern, followed up 10 points against Rutgers. If you're getting beat off the dribble in the first half, you're sitting. Yep. You're sitting. All that stuff does not matter if you're not guarding and I, I still got to figure out what the principles are defensively. It seems like they do force baseline a lot. Uh, he opened up his feet and Ron Harper got downhill. Omar Payne actually made a really good play on the ball, but man, I, he's got to find a way. He's a good defender. He showed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's part of the reason why if they do make this change, it's not going to be because of scoring. Scoring is probably going to be the third peg, right? It's, it's going to be defense and it's going to be rebounding. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, he can make basketball plays. Um, and, and he did that last night. So maybe that starting lineup boost, and we're talking about it like it's already happening. It may not. But if it does happen, maybe that does give him a little bit of confidence to be like, okay, yeah, I belong. This isn't just like a weird kind of end of the game thing where I'm showing flashes. It's like, okay, it's here, it's now, and I got to help this team. All right, Michigan State, uh, a big one for either of these teams if they want to stay in the Big Ten title race. Um, it's pretty pretty amazing how close things are right now with Michigan State nine and five, Illinois eleven and four. I mean, Rutgers now ten and five, Ohio State nine and four, Wisconsin eleven and four, and Purdue atop the thing with twelve and four. So with that loss at Rutgers, 
the win or the chance of Illinois, according to the metrics, uh, to win a share of the Big Ten dropped thirty percent uh, with what happened last night with Illinois losing and Purdue winning. Uh, but as as I said earlier this week, you just kind of can't predict any of this, Mike. But this is if you want to win a Big Ten title. You don't have much more margin for error, e- even in this kind of crazy Big Ten. So you're able to beat Michigan State without Curbelo and Coburn last time. What do you think of the matchup? What do you think the keys are uh, to winning at a very tough place to play in East Lansing? It's the same keys that, all, that they always are on the road, right? You got to compete on the glass. You know, you got to you got to make shots, right? And your your great players have to be great. I, it was kind of the same formula against Purdue. And this is a, this is a Michigan state team that is really, really struggling to score the basketball, really struggling. I mean, their last, even just kind of in their last four games, you know, take out the, the Indiana game, but 58 against Penn state, 62 against Wisconsin, 63 against Rutgers, you know, even going back to the Illinois game where they had 55, they've struggled to score. And part of that is, it reminds me a lot of that Wisconsin team last year. I know I've mentioned on this podcast before, I don't know where they're at role identification wise. And I don't think they do either. I think it's, I think it's their Achilles heel right now. They don't really know who their go-to guy is. They have talent. Um, You know, so it's just kind of this, Hey, let's figure it out every game type of thing. And for defenses, you can kind of just play straight up, um, you know, and, and, and take certain things away. But I'm looking at Kofi where, you know, against the Binghams of the world, the Colocos of the world, he's, he's struggled against some length. And, and I think he's eager to, to have a good showing against a guy like that who's uh, – I don't know if he's leading the league in blocks right now. He's got to be right out there in the top two or three. Uh, but, but you're going to need him. You're going to need Kofi. You're going to need to make free throws. Um, that's another thing. You can't start two for nine like you did against Rutgers, especially in big moments, right? Curbelo gets fouled, has a chance to cut it to 12, misses the free throws. Um, you know, Boston's or Don misses two free throws. Kofi's missing free throws. You know, you just, you can't do that on the road and expect to win. So it's on the glass. It's knocking down shots, it's shooting them confidently first and foremost. And then it's just, you know, it's Trent Frazier. It's Andre Curbelo. It's Kofi Coburn. It's, we need good games out of you. Mm-hmm. All three of you can't just be one out of three or, or you know, one and a half out of the three. It's got to be all three if you want to go into East Lansing and, and get a win. Mike, it's going to be a heck of a finish here in the Big Ten. Just, um, let's see, six teams separated by two games with about 18 days left in this race. Thanks for the time as always, man. And uh, if you haven't, uh, check out the VIP film room we're about to do as well. Uh, Mike will break down what he saw in that Rutgers game. So, Mike, appreciate the time, man. Appreciate it. Great stuff as always from Michael Tulip. And if you're a VIP member, you're going to want to check out the VIP breakdown. I know it's a loss, but some of the things Michael Tulip breaks down, I just don't see during the game. And he does. And uh, have that kind of expertise is awesome. So you can check that out at IlliniInquirer.com. I'll have more on Ty Rogers. I went and saw the Illini recruit uh, at Kenwood. A fantastic atmosphere. Small, steamy gym. Second floor of Kenwood Academy. And I got to tell you, I, I couldn't be much more impressed by Ty Rogers. So I have a scouting report on him, Day Day Ames, uh, a big time recruit on Kenwood. Kenwood's really loaded with some future prospects as well. So I got my scouting report up, but I'll have a big feature story on Ty Rogers as well coming up this weekend. Joey, Derek, and I all heading up to Michigan State on Friday uh, afternoon. So we'll have you covered 
from East Lansing as well. Thank you for always listening to the Line Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcasts and uh, check out all the latest at IlliniEnquirer.com. Everybody have a great weekend. Stay warm. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast.